welcome back to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. This is episode 232, the second part of our interview with comic writer Kyle Starks, where we talk his new book, Pain and Merrimack. We talk the optioning of comic book properties for TV and movie, and we talk about wrestling. Lots of wrestling. And now, of course, uh, the book you have out at the moment, which is Pine and Miramac, number one, just came out recently. Great first issue, I thought. The art by Fran Gallen is absolutely outstanding as well. And and I should say congrats on the second printing as well. I mean, how did that title come about? Uh, so I did um, Creepshow, which was Eisner nominated for Best Anthology, I think. And, and I was put with Fran. And his work on those 10 issues is was unbelievable to me. I and I again I'm being I'm saying objectively. I'm not blowing smoke up Fran's ass. It was so good. And it, it's not just that it looked good. He little storytelling things I didn't write in the script, which were just great sequential storytelling. Um and I was really just blown away. There's a page that I wrote because when they I'm not I wasn't really doing horror yet. And it's very much a true horror. It's not a horror comedy. And there was a sequence there was a sequence it's boys on kids with vampires basically. And there was a sequence that I saw in my head sort of cinematically. And I'm like, I'm going to write it, but the artist isn't going to be able to do it. He won't do it as well. And Fran, like, destroyed it. Like, he shredded it. It was so amazing. And you go, I mean, how, how talented. And I don't know why. I guess Fran enjoyed the script. Because he said to our mutual editor, he's like, oh, I'd like to do something else with Kyle. And I was like, oh, anyone that good, I will 100% like, <laughs> let's figure something out. And he sent me this email and he's like, I'd like to do something else. I don't want to do horror or comedy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Those are the things that I do. Those are kind of the things that I do. But I was like, well, let's figure something out. And we actually, I, I came over the pitch that sort of, I was like, tell me what you want. Tell me everything you want. Like, whatever it is, and I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out. And this was not Pine and Merrimack. This was a different book that we pitched that uh, was approved. Um, but Fran was doing... Dune or Carnage, something else. And um, the way that time, and I, this other pitch was Boom. Boom reached out to me after my editor on I Hate This Place and Six Sidekicks and Assassination went to Boom. And he's like, do you have a book pitch for us? And I was like, the only thing I have is, is this sort of cozy crime thing that will escalate into badness. And they're like, we like it. And we're trying to find an artist which sucks, by the way. It's like the worst part. My dogs are playing. If you can hear click clacking, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the worst part of like a new project is, you know, all my early stuff, Assassination, Erica's my friend. Anything with Schweitzer, Mars Attack, Society, that's my friend. And I'm like, I want to do something with my friend who I know is going to do like an unbelievable job. So the looking for artists is tough. Piotr Kowalski, we looked for on Where Monsters Lie. He's amazing. Um, Artyom Toplin, we found for I Hate This Place. We went through so many people trying to find the right, you know, the right partner for me to do the, the book of the way I'm so type A to the caliber. I think anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm tangenting. So Fran had ended work and was kind of like, I can't remember the wording, but it was like, he's like, what do you have? What's going on? Like, I, cause I was like, it's going to be a while before the other thing. And he's like, what do you have now? And I'm like, well, I have this thing, but it's kind of horror. And you said, you don't want to do horror. I was like, what? I was like, I was like, dude, I have this thing, but it's horror. And he's like, well, send me the pitch. And so I sent him the pitch. He's like, no, I'll do it. Which, by the way, is like the greatest, like, no, I'll do it is like the greatest, what, four words like an artist will say. 
first of all, I think that first issue is a banger. Again, I'm being, I mean, objectively, I think it's a really great first issue. For something that's going to be tough, you know, Boom was like, it's kind of like the movie Vertigo, where it's kind of a slow burn. And you kind of, you know, little things happen, little things happen. You kind of want to be with these characters, which is the trick, right? And I was like, it's going to be a tough sell. It's going to be a tough sell. Um, but the thing was, they're like, we really like you and we really like Fran. And I'm like, yeah, the next book is going to be really, really good. This one's going to be good, but it's going to be tough to market. It, like, what are you calling it? Pine and Merrimack. Why? I don't know. It sounded cool in my head, but also, like, it seemed like, what, wouldn't it be cool when the, the next volume is like a Pine and Mysteries, a Pine and Merrimack mystery? Like, it sounds good underneath another title anyway. Like, it's, it's a weird title. Do they, are they, are they fighting anyone? It's like, kind of, but not really. Like, nothing happens, <laughs> sort of, right? But I think it's a really good issue, but you're asking, like, anyway, I was like, this would be a tough one, and Anyway, Fran came on, and, and I say no joke. Like, it's a, I think it's a really good story. It's a story I've been sitting on for a while. I was trying to figure out the hook that made me care more. Because it's a series of events that I've always known. I want these to happen each issue, right? But how to, why would anyone care? And after doing I Hate This Place, I became really, and I did, when I did I Hate This Place, it was something I wanted to do, which was to show two people who love each other, who just happily love each other, are happy to be around each other, I think those people are magical. So I was like, that's it. I, I'm going to do another happy couple because I think there's something magical about it. I also think bad things happening to those people is like the worst feeling as a reader. So it's like, that's what you want. But when Fran came on, it's, it, it's everything. I mean, and I say that again, I'm saying it with no hyperbole. His art is so good. The choices he makes are so good. And I've worked with a lot of great artists um, in my career. I've been really lucky. And each year sort of keeps getting better. Steve Pugh, there's no one who could have done Peacemaker better than him. Um, Peter Kowalski is literally perfect for Were Monsters. He's perfect. Um, I'm doing this wild dog thing in Brave and the Bold with Fernando Passerin. He's unbelievably good. I, I know, like, everyone's good at what they do. Fran's on a different level. He does, like, these, he'll do, like, a, he'll take a six-page panel, a six-page, six-panel page and make it into a montage, and it looks unbelievable. And it's just like these little things he does, these little choices he does, and the way he can set a scene, and the way the more, and this is like, it's a major, major thing. The way his characters emote towards each other, the way they act is really on a next level. And I've said, I want to do another book with, in theory, we have a pitch approved. He's not, he's, someone's going to steal him from me. He's too good. He's that good that he's going to be working with, um, you know, uh, Millar or, what, he's, they're going to steal him. One of those guys who loves stealing artists is just going to steal him away. <laughs> but why, why wouldn't you? Um, but I'll say, like, his, his art is going to make that series. I think it's a good story. I think they're great characters. I think it's a fun, weird little town, which I love. I love funny little weird characters and, like, quirky little things. And I love high stakes. And the stakes go up each issue, which I love. I think it's an interesting experiment as a story with great characters. Fran is caring... It, don't even like I would buy it if I wasn't doing it. That's how good it is. I'm getting pages for issue three, and like the, it's unbelievable. The choices he makes are so good. I can't say enough about him. I can't say enough about him. I would love to work with Fran for the rest of my life. <laughs> but I, we can be like uh, we can be like the criminal guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. me and Fran. Um, I he's so he's so talented, and I really think if it's not this book, the next book that he does, I think everyone's gonna be like this guy's. He's too much. He's yeah, too good. Yeah. Uh, he's un the art's unbelievably good. And so, so this this 
series is slated for five issues currently and you know yeah. assuming it's success just what you're saying there uh, would there be a plan for another volume or sales decide everything you know what i mean i and wait do you see where this book goes <laughs> you know what i mean like stuff will happen terrible things happen will anyone survive it's tough to say well, it's tough to say <laughs> i mean we're, we're thinking in terms of books like uh over the last few years once in future or something is killing the children that were mini series that ended up being more than that I think something like this, I think for something like a mystery, which is like to me in my head, it's like Columbo-esque. It's like a Columbo is a horror mystery. Um, <laughs> everything's, even though it's five issues, to me, it's like this is a single, it, it, Knives Out. Knives Out's a good example. It's like there's multiple, you can, yes. that's sort of how I, I would see it. It's like we would do arcs, which is basically everything I'm doing now because, you know, the publishers don't want to commit to an ongoing. So in my head, I'm preparing these things to be these things. Um, and this was going to be four issues. Boom asked for five. I'm like, no one's asking for five. Why are we doing five? So I had to stretch it out in a way that I'm not crazy about neither here nor there, but it's also like this moving target of like, how long is a series? How many pages is a series? Like, I don't know, but I'm trying to adjust to what the market wants because I don't want again to be like, I have an idea for a 30 page series 30 issue series, which I don't, by the way, <sighs> I don't want to, I can't imagine living that long in something sort of. Yeah. But also, it's like I would love to do it. You know, I, I would love the challenge of trying to figure out for I, Rock Candy Mountain. I could have done forever. Uh, Assassination, I could have probably done more. But sales decide that. Sales decide all of that. If no one buy, I mean, number one sold out. But I don't know what to print number. Like all because it sold out didn't mean a lot of people bought it, right? And with the trade sales a lot, that'll decide. So oh. we'll see. Like, I love working with Fran. Um, I've created. I think Parker and Linnea are uh, are two really enjoyable characters to be around. I hate this place. I, I, I hate this place. It was originally supposed to be an ongoing. And then that changed after the first arc. And they were like, we might do 15. And I was like, well, I can't live with mites. Like I have an ending. I, I thought we were going to do 25 or 30 or 50, because I could have done it forever. Um, and so like, well, I have an ending and the ending happens. That's just how it works. It's over. Like, could I do more of them? I could, but what would it be? Like, what would it be at this point? Makes That's the tough part of the industry. Makes me wonder if we maybe haven't seen the last of Jackson. Man, you know what? I, I just talked to those people for Rock Indy Mountain. There was like, you know, hope is hope springs eternal. And that book ends with the three three sort of side characters, which is Pomona Slim and Hundred Cat and Big Sis, yep. going on their own search to find artifacts. I'm like, I could have done four issues of that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but I'm I'm gonna and I say this, Rock Indy Mountain was has seemingly been the biggest benefiter of my catalog from Peacemaker and even I hate this place and where monsters lie really, I mean, where monsters lie sold out too. It just didn't go to a second printing. Um, Cause I think dark horse doesn't love doing that. I don't know. Like as my visibility increases, like Rock Candy mountain is the biggest benefit. If it goes crazy. I mean, I love those characters. They're good characters. There's a hand hundred cats, a good character. Yeah. Like I could write hundred cat for a bit. I have a few of those. Like, you know, if assassination, if assassination would have taken off, Eric and both were like, well, we love, I'm going to say profanity. I don't know what the rules were. I can't, one of the characters' name is Fuck, so yeah. I'm saying his name. <laughs> but like, like, fucking Dave, like, we could have done, fuck, we could do fucking Dave forever. You know, they, they're yeah. just fun characters, like Terry Komodo and Six Sidekicks. Yep. There's certain characters, Gabby Trudy, even like Dante Howitzer, like, I could write more Dante Howitzer. He's dead, guys, but like, even dead <laughs> characters are, you know what I mean? Spoiler but, alert. Like, I, there are characters I like and sort of all of them that's like, I could kind of keep doing it. Um, where some of them just are what they are. Like, I would not want to do Sex Castle again. It is what it is. Um, what I do? Six sidekicks? 
just a couple other ones. Like they are what they are. It's like it's the whole kill them all. It, it's the whole thing. Old head. It's the thing. That's the story. That's could I do more? Look, if they made a movie, if someone made a movie, it'd be like the Kingsman, where you'd be like, "Wow, there's another comic coming out. That's crazy." But like I'm trying to tell full stories in many in many ways. So. So the question is, when that complete collection of Rock Candy Mountain comes out, is it going to have a number one on the side, or is it just going to say the complete collection? It's it's literally called the complete collection. <laughs> <laughs> so no one said anything to me about a one, but I'll tell you, I'll say this: I'll speak out of class. Assassination. That's all it was ever going to be. Six sidekick to, in our head. In our head, that's all it was ever going to be. And they put a one. <laughs> They, they put the one <laughs> on both of them knowing they hadn't offered us to do more. So what a mean thing to do. I guess that's just, I guess that's, I don't know, just covering your bases if you're them. I have no idea. I, but I were like, and Schweitzer, I think they, for Six Sidekicks, it's on the cover. And Schweitzer was so mad. He's like, he's like, why would they do this to the cover? And I'm like, I just, <laughs> I don't know. They just love putting a number one on there. So people still ask me about all of those things. And I'm like... It, I'm like, talk to Erica. Like, I'm not the, I'm not the holdup. Talk to the publisher. Um, but those would be tough because I feel like they're full stories. They are full, complete stories. But both of them have a little epilogue. I love a little epilogue, like a just-in-case epilogue, right? So um, I like to put the last page or thereabouts to be like, there, if there was more, it would be kind of like this. And if even if it doesn't happen, I think it's nice if you really enjoy it. Again, I make the things I want is to go – Oh, I wonder, like, I, you kind of think about what it implies would have been next. You know what I mean? Oh, there's more adventures for them. That's fun. I like that. I don't know. Lovely. Well, They'll put, they probably will. They probably will put a one on it. Yeah, I mean, with uh, you've mentioned about some of your works being optioned and stuff like that. Obviously, nothing has progressed beyond the option stage. But if you did have the choice out of everything you've worked on to this point, which title stands out the most you would love to see adapted into another medium? Oh my I know they're all, which one I, know your, I know it's like telling you to choose baby? between your kids, but you know. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, I'm going to say it has to be an image book because I'll make the most money if that happens. <laughs> Though Dark Wars, Dark Wars has a really good deal too. I think I own I own Where Monsters Lie, so I guess I would technically make. Man, that's uh, here's the here's what I'll say because it's tough to answer. I think, but I think Sex Castle would be the easiest to make, and I think it's the one that would engage with the most of not comic fans, but like with humans. Like Sex Castle on Netflix, I think would have a great month, you know. Um, but also, like Sex Castle started my career, so I'm soft. I have a soft spot in my heart. But I think like it reads like a movie. It would be a cheap movie to make, and it'd be fun. So I'd say Sex Castle. Well, is there some also? Mo- I'd, I'd like, I'd have like a tag on my house or something that's a Sex Castle, or try to get like <laughs> Vanity Light for the new house I bought with all my movie money. You know what I mean? Or, but you know, I hear that, what I say sincerely in that regards is that. All I want is people to read my comics. And so in theory, if anything I did was made, it would presumably sell a few more of my other comics. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want. So to me, first of all, whatever they make won't be my comic at all. It's going to be something different because it, oh, I, I would, they're just going to, they don't care. It's, it's not my opinion on licensed property. They don't look at comics like that, right? Where you go, you want to be the thing. They want to be the thing people like. They kind of like parts of it and then they want to make it their own. And that's fine. So like it won't ever really truly be my thing. Um, they're not going to ask me to write it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and if I did write it, they would rewrite it four times to make it the thing they wanted. So I would I would be stoked for literally anything, even if something that even like you know we don't own six sidekicks or assassination. I'd love for that because it means if people like it, they'll see my name, they'll see Schweitzer's name or Erica's name, 
and they'll read more of our books. And if those are good, and I like to think they are, then they'll read more of my books. And hopefully even from that, they go, someone who didn't read comics is like, oh, what other comics should I read? And you get a new reader, which is all we really need at this point anyway. So sex capital. I bet they'd call it something different too. And I'd be kind of sad about that. Yeah. I hope they, whatever they do, I hope they don't change. Um, I know that, again, I don't know why, I don't, I don't think I signed an NDA, but like at one point, assassination was under option. And my only question was, I was like, are you, is, are you going to change Puck Tarkington's name? Like that's like, he has to, why would you, you have to have this one character. And it's like, as long as they stay true to this one character, my version of this one character, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, they can mess around with it, but they were like, yes. And I'm like, all right. And then I got the script and you know, mm. anyway. Yeah. Just a very general question on that. Actually with, I hate this place was the original title. Fuck this place. Obviously they did yeah, that absolutely. as a variant. But... Well, so <laughs> this is a, a, a good story for me. When I decided to do, when I, I sort of figured it out, and I was like, the titles don't ever, I'm bad at titles. Pine and Merrimack's not a great, I think it sounds great, but what is it? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if I'm good at titles, Sex Castle. That's maybe not, what is it about? There's like, there's no sex, there's no castles in it. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking like, if I was for this, if this was a, and I think cinematically, I'm not ever thinking about that market. I, I want to tell cinematic stories are, you know what I mean? Like that's how I see them as people consuming them. And they're like, it's a spectacle. And I, if I was in a horror movie, I'd be saying fuck this place all the time. All the time. Every time you walk around the corner and there's my friend Ted, I'd be like, fuck this place. <laughs> and so to me, it was just the perfect tone. Is the perfect tone for this book. And I remember there, was, there, I don't, there wasn't pushback on the profanity early, but they're like, we don't know about this title. And I said something to my friend Matt Kent, and he was like, he's like, that word's everywhere now. He's like, it's on, uh, it's into the fucking world on Netflix. He's like, it's not, it's not taboo anymore. And I'm like, yeah, it's not taboo anymore. And so I'm like, it literally... Kirkman was like, send me a list of other titles. And I'm, I'm bad at that. Once I have a title, I'm like, I, I can't get away from it because I'm like, this is the best one. I'm right. I can see the story and they, they sync mm -hmm. up somehow, you know? And so I gave him a list of like a hundred. I mean, like so many just trying. And they'd be like, just pick one. I don't even care at this point. And when it got to the end, when the, we were about to go to print, they're like, we got to figure out this title thing. And I said to the editor, I was like, I think this is the best title. Fuck this place is the best title for this book. And Kirkman goes, fine. And then it goes to Eric Stevenson at Image. And he goes, they, and they were marketing it softly as F asterisk CK. And there was two things. If, if Stevenson was like, retailers hate this. They hate this title for two reasons. One, how do you search for this title, right? Is it FU or is it F asterisk? Yeah. Uh -huh. But also kids will see it. Kids will see it in the store. And I want to tell you, the moment that someone said it's going to be on a shelf in a store, I was like, oh, yeah, just we call it something different. And that I wish, though, my wish is when I just call it I hate this place, that someone at that moment, because they're like, done, I hate this place. I wish someone at that moment would have been like, oh, it's just like what Scotty Young did with I hate Fairyland. Yeah. I wish someone would have said this to me <laughs> because I would have called it we hate this place. I would have called it something different rather than there being two books that both have fuck slash I hate. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah. my one. I wish someone at that moment, because they were like, done, let's go. And someone was like, we'll make it the variant. So I don't know to appease me. I don't because they're like, oh, it worked really well for Scotty, I think is what the argument was. And I'm like, oh, I don't care. But to me, it is fuck this place in my head, because that's what it says on the scripts. But I hate this place is a good title. And it, it does the same thing. It just doesn't have a dirty word in it, an edgy, dirty word. I didn't even think about that. I just thought this is what I would call it if I made a horror movie. That was this, you're trapped in a location. I don't know.
yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's the answer. Ah, nice one. Well, you have you've mentioned a couple of times uh, characters that you would have no interest in uh, in writing. Are there any characters yeah. uh, from from the big two who you haven't tackled who you would be interested in tackling? I here's the thing from from when I was deep in comics and I I really loved these characters. They're not those characters anymore. You know, I mentioned like Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler was in 1985. Nightcrawler was hands down my favorite. Yeah, he's not even remotely that character anymore. You know what I, I? As far as I know, as far as I know, he's changed so much. The movies aren't that character. And he's changed because you know what I mean. There's all these variables, so like all these characters are gone, and and sort of, you know what I mean, my first fan comic which I put on Twitter was Wild Dog, and so to get to do Wild Dog is wild, is insane to me because it's a weird full circle that I'm like it's kind of what got I had 60 Twitter followers, and I was like I was like if I can get to 250 Twitter followers, I'll do a Wild Dog fan comic, which no one. Listen, a hundred and whatever that number is, a hundred and sixty people shouldn't care if anyone's doing a wild dog comic. <laughs> and I thought it would be like a, because it took me so long to get sixty. No, it happened in like an hour. It happened in like uh, Tom Spurgeon, uh, rest in peace, somehow retweeted it. I don't know what happened. And I'm like, shit, I got to do this comic now. And so like that's crazy. It's not the comic character. It's kind of a different version. That I think it's a little bit more fun because the first he's he's a fill-in. He has no value. Mm-hmm. That's a great for issue series by the way i can't recommend it enough but like he's not a character he's like a part of the story if that makes any sense i two of my favorite issues of comics was west coast avengers where john byrne introduced the great lakes avengers i think it's a, and i think alpha flight if you look through his career you can see he was a master at just introducing interesting teams yep um and in those two issues and then subsequently like three issues after <laughs> only in background sequences it's a really interesting team. It's a really fascinating idea. It's really great characters. I'm a Midwestern guy. And the fact that they made these characters not as sort of like a comical, like it's like, look, there's a, it's a lower tier. Yeah. They, listen, they're not fighting Galactus, but there's these guys in, in Michigan or Milwaukee. I, I forget now. And I love that. And they're also really interesting and human. And the thing with those minor characters is that they're always a little more human to me because you can get away with stuff that, they will be wiped clean as a character exists forever. Uh-huh. Um, I got to. Do, they, I think they ruined those. Char- I think Marvel ruined those characters because they. If you if you give the big two low hanging fruit, yeah, that's they'll just mm-hmm. go for it, right? Yeah. So like they ended up doing all this dumb things. They turned him into a big joke here, which is fine. I'm not hating that, but it was like a lot of like they made Doorman into like a Grim Reaper. All these things I always thought was just like, why would you do it? Just they're so interesting in those two issues. In two issues, they're so interesting. Um, so I got to do them. I did them for the Marvel Unlimited app, and I rolled back a lot of the things I didn't like. So I got to do those characters. So as I was saying, there's a, there's a, there's probably not guys that I'd be like necessarily like I Mall and Brain. If I was only going to do one D, one DC villain, I wanted to do Mall and the Brain. So it's like that's a, I, those are the guys I like. They're they're the guys I think are most interesting, who are also sufficiently scary, right? Um, I know that we talked before. Listen, I love D Man. I wrote the first dedicated only d-man story in marvel history which was for secret wars 2 uh with ramon villalobos i i love d-man after i did d-man he changed nick spencer changed the character i think honestly for the better but that's another example of a character that was ruined by low-hanging fruit Mm. his his existence in the thing as sort of the world champion have you read this yep have you read the thing okay yeah um so the thing at one point joins 
a superhero pro wrestling league. And that's where he meets D-Man, who was the world champion. And D-Man's whole thing is like, he's just a great friend. He's super strong. He's just a great friend. He becomes friends with Captain America. Captain America goes missing. This is Rube Grunewald, which is my favorite, one of my favorite writers. He goes missing. And so D-Man, Falcon, and Nomad decide to go find him. And there's several issues of them just going around. D-Man's paying for the plane because he's rich. He's the world champion of the superhero wrestling league. Yeah, yeah. And it's great character stuff that I love. Like Falcon's very professional. Nomad hates D-Man. D-Man's sort of like kind of a fan a little bit, you know? But then after that, like he goes to the whole, he joins the Avengers briefly in a weird, he kind of didn't, but he did, which is great. And he went to go, He they, they met these like homeless people, these fringe superhero homeless people. And he went to live with them, not to be a homeless person because he's super rich to sort of like take care of them. DC's like, he's homeless, he stinks. I would roll that back. I think Nick Spencer did that. Uh, I don't think the look of it was like, oh, he's a stinky homeless guy. Um, and listen, I I I maybe put a D man, you know, reference in the only Marvel notable Marvel thing I've done with D Dog because I love D man, but I don't think there's a character. I mean, there's certain characters that aren't low, like, but I think I would do a good job. And I will say, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, but mm-hmm. those characters don't really exist that way anymore. So, I, you know what I mean? There's certain characters that you go, are they are they kind of funny? But is there more to them, which is a lot of those Giffen to Mateus JLI mm-hmm. characters? He, but he brought that to them. I mean, ultimately, you can take any character that no one really cares about, <laughs> which is the James Gunn move, and my Wild Dog move, too. If any character that's minor that no one cares a lot about, you can change. But you can't come in, and I couldn't give, I'm going to say Spider-Man. If I give him a dog, people are going to be like, why do you have a dog? You know what I mean? Yeah. But if I yeah. go, I go, oh, I'm trying to think of a minor character. Oh, uh, uh, Leapfrog has a dog. They're like, of course he does. <laughs> right? <laughs> so there's a thing about playing with it. I, I, I'm interested. I've always liked minor characters better. I always have. I just think that their moments are so brief, they can give them character that you can't. There's more freedom because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can always tell that with the ones that sort of really stick. You're like, oh, that, I like those because they feel real or they're fallible. I think, I think fallibility in the superhero world is very attractive. Because that's the moment. I think that's why. And I, I think that's why Peter Parker. That's I think why. And if you look at Radiant Black, if you look at Invincible, why that archetype prevails is because it's not even so much that you go, I can see myself in that, but you, their humanity is such a part of their character. Like Tony, when he was drinking, and the Iron Man, Iron Man, then, but people remember that, like his his how much his fallibilities, right? Um, and alternatively, it's Superman or Batman, where they have no flaws which is very, you know, Jack Reacher, Gray Man, mm-hmm. which is interesting because they will never fail. And testing them to fail is interesting. But I think for those other characters, that re- the X-Men, it was just a bunch of horny teens, always. They were just teens who also went on, but they were like always trying to figure out something more. Wolverine's trying to figure out who he is. Nightcrawler's trying to figure out how you exist looking the way you look in this world. Yep. It, it, and I think that's, that's what always draws me to the superhero world. Not necessarily those characters, but those characters that give you that sort of opportunity. Because I think that's what I think there needs to be more of that. I think the character stuff going away has been bad for um, superhero stuff because now it's just selling like, don't you like laser beam eyes or whatever? Don't you just like laser beam eyes? Like, didn't we? I think we like that. You know, he was kind of a shitty leader who could never quite figure it out and was kind of getting one up all the time, even though he's the favorite. Like, that's complicated. Yep. That's where, like, if you ask me to tell you like a Cyclops story that I remember, I don't. I remember him being really upset. Storm was leader. That's what I remember. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what did he? What did he do? Nothing. Dumb stuff. He sucks. He's always sucked. Um, but I think that's like you can see. I can see from my past, like JLA, like those characters. No one cared about those characters, so they kind of did stuff with them. You know what I mean? Not anything good. 
per se. But like if I if 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 they were like Starks, do you want to do Justice League? I'm like, yeah, here's what I want. I want vibe, I want gypsy, uh, I want Vixen. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I want I want to write about where these characters have been for the last 20 years. And though some of them 100 percent have been someplace. Vixen got a, a nice run, I think. But it's like wouldn't isn't that more interesting than like who are they gonna fight? Like who cares who they're gonna fight? They can fight anybody. Um so that's, that's my answer to that. I I I really want to play with a bunch of them. If it was a minor character, especially probably from like 1988 to 1993, Nomad on a motorcycle with a baby. Like, let's listen. I would love to do Nomad 92 or whatever that was. It would never happen. Like, it would never, they're never going to be like, let's make it happen. Because no one would buy it. Like, that's what decide. like, no matter how good of a story I or how fun, them going, well, who's going to buy it is a big part of that. So, anyway. It, uh, it kind of puts into context. That's my answer. Uh, kind of puts into context the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, which you know is is they also runs relative to the star, you know. So that uh, I can see, I can see we the star, are the star is never, the, yeah, the star is never. I you know I'm a big I'm a big NBA fan and like when I was watching like Michael Michael Jordan was the guy, and he's not only the best, he, he's so much better than everyone else, and he's everyone's favorite. He and I listen I. I, I pray at the temple to Michael Jordan. But like he's not my favorite. My favorite is the two guard for the Knicks that no one cares about. Because he was playing so hard. And there's that's there's character in that. And there's character in greatness. But like there's certain things that I, I say this because I always want to be better. So I say I today, like I couldn't do a space opera. It's too big, it's too grandiose. It's too much of a spectacle, right? But I can do these street level guys. Like and even like Daredevil, maybe too artistic for me but like that range is like if you give me a guy on the street even if he can fly and shoot laser beams out of his eyes but he's still just let me write a guy on the street that's what i want to do because i think those are stories that are the most interesting to me um and i think even taking someone i don't superman doesn't work a green lantern and going because green lantern has a history of it too so that's probably not the best example where you go this is about them you know what i mean it's not about what they do that's what interests me as a writer for those, not for everything. Everything's character driven. I think who, and Pine and Merrimack is a good example of that even, is that if you don't care about these people, I, I didn't do my job very well, but I think they're interesting people and don't, don't we all want to see what happens to them? Don't we want to see the choices they make when they're put in certain positions? Not because they're heroic, but because of who they are and maybe who they are is heroic. Like we all know people like that, right? Like if, 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 the, if the building across the street blew up and you're in your comic shop, I don't know how many employees you guys have, you know who's gonna run across the street and who's not, right? Like those guys are the, are the Justice League too. One of them is gonna run across the street and the others are gonna be like, hold on, <laughs> hold on a second, right? And that's interesting to me. Like that's more and more interesting to me than just how do we beat Galactus? Like, I don't know, Reed has that lighter just go get the lighter again. <laughs> the, the ultimate lighter. <laughs> the ultimate lighter. Well, if I could choose DC characters for you based on everything you said, I'd have to go blue and gold. Yeah, I like I like them a lot. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Gold. It has not been announced. I'm doing I'm doing a one a 40 page one shot that should be announced soon for DC, and when they announce it, you will go. Oh right. Ah. Like it's another it's another thing where when they ask me to do when they ask me to do Thanos when they ask me to do Pet Avengers. Um, when they asked me to do Harley Quinn, I'm like, let me let me think about this. Like, let me figure out what this is. Um, this was a book they offered to me, just like Peacemaker. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. And when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> um, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hopefully the artist is very good. I don't know who the artist is yet. So but it's a good script. I think it's fun. Blue and gold, I think. That whole Giffen and Demetrius 
that run to me, everything I do is always a little funny. That's not even on purpose anymore. I just accepted that humor is one of my tones. You know what I mean? When I'm making a song, it just, it just is. I think they should be fun. Um, I am doing a very serious comic that still, I think it's like, just like I hate this place. It's like, it's still be funny anyway. But I think given it nailed it in that it looks like a superhero comic. It does superhero things. It's fun. And it's character driven. And it's like, that's, I think it's, that's the way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. For me, like that's the sweet spot of being like, it's a superhero comic. They're doing superhero things. They are the superheroes you like, but also that guy likes Oreos now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like also that guy likes Oreos. And that little thing, like think about Martian Manhunter before they were like, he likes Oreos. He was nothing. He was, I'm not, he's one of my favorite characters, but he was nothing. He was just the guy who was always on the Justice League who kind of kept him on track. Right. And there's, that's to me like that's what I think comics should be and even you see it from the X-Men it's like they introduce someone new and they didn't just introduce someone even if they were like a um a MacGuffin they like Birdbrain I don't know Birdbrain was introduced so they could go to a weird island and fight do you remember Birdbrain he was a new mutant but he was like they gave him a like they made him like he didn't just exist to be an impetus they're like oh look he's also like a funny little guy you know what I mean he's like a funny <laughs> little guy and and I think like that's that's what I want to do. I want to do stories that people go, well, that was fun, and I like these characters, and I want to see what they do more of. And if it's not me, I hope whoever follows, like I hope whoever writes the next Pet Avengers writes Falcon as kind of a like kind of a superior, you know what I mean? Like sort of a a superior sort of jackass because I think he would be. He's a bird of prey. They're great. Are they right? I just like I hope that carries on because I think character is so important. And I think maybe we've lost that, but I probably haven't read enough big two to say that, like, you know, for sure, like hard, like it's a hard fact. Because I, look, I just read Kelly Thompson's um, Hawkeye uh, with Leonardo Romero. It's, it's, it's so unbelievably good. I don't know why people haven't been harassing me to read Kelly Thompson since that book existed. Cause I think they're amazing. Like they do exactly what I want. It's character driven. Um, that's like a great noir mystery where you just want to hang out with the likable characters. And anyway, I'm going, but I think, I think characters are really important. And I think those minor characters let you play with them more. Give me blue and gold. DC, give me blue and gold. <laughs> you, you just need I don't to know put, what I do. It makes me nervous. You, you just need to put a ha ha at the end of that. And they'll, they'll give you it. No problem. Call me. Well, just a couple of questions just to finish off just outside of comics. So, you had mentioned, obviously, being a big 80s and 90s action fan when it comes to movies. Top three action movies from that era, go. Uh, I'm going to say, because you put me on the spot, it's Die Hard, it's Roadhouse. Those are one and two. There's no question about that to me. And probably, like, Commando number three. Because Commando is, like, the purest action movie from that era. It's probably not the best. If you were, like, figure out the best, I'd have to really think about it. But off the guy, and I talked so much already... Those are the three that I could watch absolutely That's anytime. That's a good three. That's yep. that. That is indeed yep. a very solid three. Very solid three. Uh, favorite wrestler of all time? Of all time. And I know that's a big question. That's a, that's a, big question, and I I can already say like I know the answer, and I'm blanking on it. Of all time, I'll tell you when I was a kid, I, I grew up in the Memphis territory. I'm in Southern Indiana, which would have been the third stop for Memphis. So Jerry Lawler was my guy. But of course, that's a tough one because he is problematic. So it's really like, who isn't problematic? Um, <laughs> it becomes a very short all, list. You know when you do I'll, that. Tell, I'll tell you actually, probably all time, the answer is Stone Cold, and that's a bad that's a bad answer. But I love again. I like characters that have. He was so character driven and all this stuff, um, and he was so unique. 
somehow, even though he wasn't a unique character for history, Stone Cold's probably number one. But I get like as I th- as you ask me that question, I'm like, oh, I love D'Lo Brown. Oh, I love uh, uh, I love uh, uh, Pentagon. You know what I mean? Like there's guys that's like, oh, I love NXT Bailey so much. There's, I love Shinsuke. Um, but that was a certain period. Like for certain, so if you're like, who's your favorite today? Would probably be easier. And as probably like Orange Cassidy or something. I don't know. I have to think about it. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. But it's like I go through phases. Yeah, when I was a kid, it was Ultimate Warrior because he was a superhero in a wrestling ring. A spectacle, yeah. You know, but uh, you go to modern day, you look at someone like Jericho who reinvents himself. You look at Cassidy, look at Kenny Omega, who's done it everywhere. Um, but this, this this is a part of the conversation will bore the life out of Keith, so I'll not uh, I'll not continue. But we we need to hook up again sometime in the future and do a dedicated oh, I, wrestling podcast. Dude, I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk. I love talking wrestling, and usually whenever someone, so I just there's a there's a really great. I don't want to talk about other podcasters, but David Harper, who does sketch and off panel, which is mm-hmm. one of the best Fantastic journalism podcasts. Yep. Uh, he, he's a big hoops guy. So whenever we do a podcast together, there's always the preface. The last 30 to 45 minutes of this, you all hate. <laughs> but this is the only time we talk to each other and we're going to talk about hoops and kind of wrestling is the same. Um, it, but yeah, it goes all time stuff. It's probably Stone Cold, though. I mean, just because if you were going to do like we would talk about like with the Rushmore, like who would be on your Rushmore, right? Yeah. And that's a tough one, too, because some guys you don't want you just don't want to put on there because they suck. But to me, that Mount Rushmore is it's Hogan, Flair, Stone Cold. And I'd put Dusty on there, but even that's a tough one. You could put HBK. It depends on which which period you sort of like yeah. better. But you know, Flair, Stone, The Rock. You could put The Rock. On. I I I think Stone Cold. The Rock has had a better life, but I think even during that peak, Stone Cold trumped him. I just think he was a better. When he showed up, he he trumped even The Rock, who trumped everybody. Yeah. Um. So I put I put Stone Cold over that area, over that sort of attitude area. Um. And because I I was an '80s guy, like Dusty was tough to beat, man. Dusty was so Dusty and Ric Flair. But I think that was sort of the golden era to me, the eighties. Yeah. And those Hogan, Ric Flair, Dusty. Again, Dusty's probably the one you could shift. Cena could be on there, like super easy. Cause you think not just how good they were, but how important they were. And Cena carried what, twelve years of wrestling where it sucked. Yeah. All time's tough, man. It's it's gotta be yeah. stone cold. When so. it comes to Rushmore, a lot of people say Hogan because he helped popularize it, even though I can't stand him. Yeah. Stone Cold because he was the king of the attitude era. Uh Cena, he was the king of the PG era. An undertaker because he was there for all three yeah but you're forgetting everything that wasn't wwf for that whole time oh, rick flair i mean yeah again here's the thing how many people on this list are awful people <laughs> two of them i don't want <laughs> that, to that's talk the about. problem that's the problem yeah. isn't it but rick rick flair i think i think objectively uh, tweet at me at the kyle starks no. i think <laughs> objectively rick flair is the greatest wrestler of all time i think he's everything a wrestler is supposed to be He's great on the mic. He had a great character. He had a great look. He was great in the ring. He's the best. He's he. If you were going to break what what's important to wrestling into categories that were only in the ring, yeah. not behind the scenes, not how they treated their family, um, not playing right. He to- he gets he gets top scores yeah. in all of those. Right, stamp uh, uh, durability. Even like even the, like durability is important. There's a lot of guys who were good. They got hurt. Like T- uh, Magnum TA, you know, guys who could have been great but they got hurt. Um, and there's not a lot of guys that can stack up against him. But Hogan's like the – even if you don't like the Beatles, Hogan's the Beatles. Like, he he made it. But I put Stone Cold on there because I think I, – I got out of wrestling, and I loved it when I was a kid. I loved it when I was a kid. Wrestling and – I was real cool. Wrestling and the X-Men is all I wanted to talk about. People are like, this fucking kid. This little weirdo. Um, now I get to come on podcasts and talk about both of them. But, uh, but 
I got out of it because I, I didn't like the sort of the, what they call the cartoon era, right? Which was Bret Hart and HBK. And I just didn't care for it. It was silly. And it's like, it's always silly because it's a male power fantasy of good versus evil. And they have costumes. Why we love comic books is why we love wrestling. Uh, and I think similarly, horror is the same way. It's a good versus evil. They're in costumes. Um, there's a reason like we were drawn to these things, but I didn't like, it was too silly. It was like, if it's not going to take it seriously, if it won't take itself seriously, why will I? Yeah. And a lot of people left, but Stone Cold, specifically Stone Cold selling those shirts, you know, brought all those people back. So I think those two, in terms of importance and money, have to be there. And Cena, man, I mean, I don't know. There, there's an NBA quote. I don't want to get into like starting to make NBA corollaries. Um, like Shaquille O'Neal was the best player of his era, no question, right? How good was the era? I'd say the same is true for Cena. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if we were adding off, like off, off the ring things, that dude's done five thousand make a witch. Like that dude will show up for any sick kid on earth. Like yeah. so, it's like I don't know. He seems like a really good guy. And he doesn't uh, report he's, half he's of them either. Yeah. He's got the. Uh, I think he's got the Guinness World Record for the most amount of granted make a wishes. By by a ton. Like I think he's at six hundred, and the next closest person's four hundred. Yeah. Like it's not like a little bit. He's way ahead, um, and he's peacemaker. So I feel like I probably should put him on the list. <laughs> now I regret. Now I regret not putting him on the Mount Rushmore. But I think those two have to, and then it's it's some personal flavor. Undertaker's great, but you know what? Undertaker, listen, hot take, hot take, something. Around. Undertaker to me is like Martin Manhunter. He's great. He's always there. You know what I mean? And yeah. Occasionally, he's he's more important than he is. But like he's still Martian Manhunter. He's not Batman or Superman. <laughs> I mean, and maybe Martian Manhunter is not even the best example, but because Martian Manhunter went from the beginning to now, Undertaker was there from from the eighties, the very end, right? But when it mattered, he started and he was big. He used to wrestle. I see on the Memphis. Anyone I saw in Memphis, I'm soft on. So like Mr. Perfect and uh, Jeff Jarrett, uh, uh, Coco Beware, anyone who I saw wrestle in person, I've always been soft for. Um, and the same goes for Chicago. This is, the Chikara guys, any Chikara guy, I'm soft on. Uh, so Orange Cassidy, um, Eddie, yeah, Kingston, any of those guys, I'm real. I'm always soft for um, Brody, obviously. Like any of those guys, even um, whether well, they're 2.0, I can't think of what they're called now. Uh, Magic, uh, Daddy Magic, and you know, Cool Hand. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Those are my least favorite Chikara guys. I'm still soft for him. Um, but I think Undertaker, he was he was always one of the three best guys. I don't think there was ever a period where he was the best guy, yeah. where he was the number one guy. And the, the, the argument would be when he was feuding with Stone Cold, which is a bad argument. You know what I mean? But that's the funny. I, all time, it changes who I love. I love it changes. And I'd say right now, Sami Zayn last year. Like, first of all, I love El Generico. El Generico and Steen was this guy. Hey, he's like fuck this wrestling conversation. <laughs> El, El Generico. And, I love El Generico and Steen because once again, these are characters. Like because they were telling a story. Yeah. And so. I love both of those guys to today. I liked, I've always liked El Generico more than Steen, Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens, yeah, he's not been great in WWE. I think he's been good, but Slightly Sammy had there. found that. Yeah. But when he found that 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 feud last year with Roman is the best one of the last five years. I don't think there's any comparison. It yeah. is such a great story. Did it end well? I don't know. But like that, that is why when people are like, why do you watch wrestling? It's like, because every now and then you get Roman versus Sammy. You know what I mean? You get this thing. You get Daniel Bryan versus the world. You get see the summer of punk. Every now and then, it gives you these things that are bigger than wrestling. The stories are just good, and the characters are big. And uh, and I say horror and comics is the same. They're always good. They're always kind of bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the average is not great, but it's enjoyable because we love these things. Horror movies, comics, and wrestling. There's probably something else like chocolate. I don't know. 
but they're even at their base, we love them because we love a male power fantasy. I love sequential storytelling. We love people flying. I don't know. But when they're great, they rise above. Yeah. They rise above what they are. And it's like, this is like, uh, like I think Get Out, like Get Out is a horror movie. Uh, it's on a different brilliant. level, yeah. man. It's brilliant. These things, I mean, for comics, there's so many, but they like they fly by. Like I think like the, Tom, you're talking about the things that Tom King's vision, Tom King's vision is unbelievable. You know, it's like an unbelievable book. Why isn't, why aren't we talking about, I don't know. I don't know why we aren't. We're still in Saga. Which is great too, but whenever it rises above, and you're like, "What is like? What am I reading?" Is it so good? You know what I think is a good example, which is on a smaller level, is um, Brubaker's Pulp. When I read Brubaker's Pulp, I'm like, oh. "Our, uh, our, our uh, uh, Supergirl, Girl of Tomorrow." I'm like, "What is like?" And I started that book mad. I'm like, "It's it's true grit. This is tra- this is bullshit. <laughs> it's just true grit in space." But by the end, I'm like, "What am I reading? Like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> Every part of this is unbelievable and so well done." Whenever they do that, and again. Even if I picked off the most Midland comic, which is maybe mine, maybe it's mine, I don't know. I'm gonna be like, I like this. I just like this. And wrestling's the same. And I think horror is the same. I just like it. I just like it. And then suddenly it'll go, hey, look what we're doing. And you're like, come on. Like, it's too much. It's too much. And that's when you're like, I I love it. I like it. But in these moments, like, I love it. Um, Well, what a speech there at the end. What a dummy. (laughs) This guy guy just talks at length. Don't worry. You've you've guaranteed at least an extra 30 listens to this when I tell a lot of the wrestling fans in store. He talks about wrestling for 20 minutes. And wait till you hear what he says about The Undertaker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll let Keith finish off with the last question since I... uh bored him to death there with a little bit of wrestling chat. Uh, not, at all. Not, a, Sorry. Not, Sorry, that, not at all not at all believe me um, i've tried i I've thought tried. that i thought that 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 wrestling comic horror comparison was absolutely was absolutely fantastic and brings us then to to our last question and that's about your favorite or most influential comics of all time oh man you know this is i can't answer this question i i could just name like i could just name things some of the things like, oh, what are your comic, your comedic influences? And I'm like, I just watched everything. I just read everything, and this is sort of, this is sort of where I'm at. For like, I I love I love, I, it's just not fair to anything because there's not one thing I can point. At. I mean, obviously, like Given to Mateus is a good one because I really think it's a north star for me anyway. Evan Dorkin as a as a comedic writer and cartoonist really, I I saw like. I can see me. I can see a line between him and me. Uh, there's a Swedish cartoonist named Jason. Do you guys know Jason? He did like The Last Musketeer and I Killed Adolf Hitler. And someone gave me those books before I had even maybe my first kid. They're like, you should read these books. They're crazy. They're crazy. It's like, what if Alfred Hitchcock did uh, a zombie book, but it's all animals doing it? And um, I looked at them, and they're brilliant. They're they're tonally really interesting. But as I read them, and this is a backhanded compliment. They're, they're very simply drawn, but it's very, the composition's, like, they're, the composition's very important. Um, I recommend Left Bank Gang, by the way. It's my favorite. Um, but as I read it, I was like, I could do this. Whereas before, I never would have made comics because to me, a comic was Todd McFarlane. And I was like, I can never draw like that. But I saw this guy who's doing these simple illustrations. And I say that, and I'm not saying, they're, the, every panel is so composed. It's so well done. And that he was doing, like, it was like, what if Albert Hitchcock did a sci-fi movie. It, 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 the tone of them was so interesting. I'm like, this is what I like. Like, I could do this. So Jason, like, that guy's very influential. Um, whenever I'm drawing something and I need a panel or I need to see something, I look at I look at Kirby. Kirby always has a solution. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Naoki Urasawa, who I adore. I adore Urasawa's work, uh, who did Monster and 20th Century Boys and uh, Pluto, of course. 
Um, but you know, like uh, like I said, Burn, Alpha Flight. We read all of those because he was X Men and Alpha Flight and Fantastic Four and even West. I loved his West Coast Avengers run. Yeah. But I wouldn't be like that guy directly. Like I, I can't just point at something and be like that because I'm not trying to do those things. I, I'm trying to tell this. I'm trying. I can only tell the stories. I'm trying to only tell the stories that I can tell. So it's kind of like everything, everything I read, everything, Kurt Vonnegut, you know what I mean? Everything I've ever read, everything I've ever seen, every movie I liked, everything, because those are all stories. And what I like is story. And I like thinking about parts of stories. And whenever I see something, you know, Six Sidekicks very much was a result of we saw um, the last uh, Tarantino movie, which I'm blanking on, Hollywood, Hollywood, something, something, something Once Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is that we saw that I saw it with Chris Schweitzer and he's like, we should do, we should do a Hollywood thing. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Oh, like, Hmm, like, let's think about it. Cause that was pretty fun. But it's like, it's always trying to figure out not to do that thing, but like, what are the pe- what are the parts I like and to put them in? And I don't want to repeat parts that sometimes you kind of do cause you like them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I can't point at one thing. That's yeah, a tough I mean, question. That's like you, a favorite wrestler. You mentioned uh, you mentioned in the last five minutes. You mentioned Pulp. You mentioned uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. You mentioned the Vision. So you're definitely definitely on the right track. Very much so. Very much so. Um, but yeah, no, we will uh, we'll bring it to a close there. It's uh, as I say, you've been remarkably generous with your time. Always uh, always a pleasure to chat to someone so passionate about all this stuff. And uh, we'll we'll get working on that wrestling podcast for a future date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But get, uh, get at me. But yeah, in the meantime, guys, uh, Peacemaker tries hard. Hardcover coming out sixth of February. Uh, Pan and Merrimack, of course, is uh, the first issues out recently. Second printing on the way, and of course, you can check out all the rest of Kyle's books at Coffee and Heroes. We have pretty much all of them in stock, and I'll look forward to one in the post from you very time soon. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on here. And yeah, it's been also pleasure. your time because. I talked a lot longer than you guys wanted to also, so. <laughs> no, not at all. Thanks. Thanks very much, Kyle. It was a, an absolute pleasure.